Thank you for joining us online, and sorry about that. You're back now. Sorry that that song is muted uh, during our services. We're just not allowed to, to use that. Um, we have we pay for licensing, but Facebook doesn't care. They just they uh, hear a song that's a recorded song, and they shut us down. So we'd rather not get shut down so our people can still listen. And I got a quick shout-out today to Shelly. Shelly's sitting at home. Pastor's wearing his Harley stuff, Okay. Uh, the elders went to uh, home this week, and uh, Dale Bowerman, he's one of the, the bass players that we have up here, and his wife uh, is, is at home. She's not able to get out, and so she stays home and watches uh, uh, every week, and we went to go and pray with them this week, walked in her house. I'd never met the lady before, because she, she's not able to be here, and it's the first time I met her. I walked in, and she goes, you're not my pastor. My pastor wears Harley-Davidson clothes. I didn't have any Harley on that night, and I'm like, oh, man, you got to be kidding me me all. So I wanted to make sure Shelly knew I'm wearing it today. Uh, I'm your pastor. And it was great to meet Shelly. Uh, you know, there are people that are watching that can't be here and, and we don't want to forget about that as a church. We're going to try to come up with ways for you to get to know who Shelly is um, and encourage that family. So thank you for being here today. What a great week of having another pastor on staff. Oh, it's so nice. Can I just tell you how nice it is? Thank you as a church for uh, having that wisdom to know that we need two pastors. And uh, it's great to have uh, Pastor Ted here and Jen. Jen was able to be at the women's event Friday night. And uh, Ted's been here all week asking me like, uh, you know, what do you... What do you need help with? What do you need help with? And showing up uh, outside of regular office hours to help with projects, it's a blessing. So uh, great job, Pastor Ted. One week, so far so good. Amen? Yeah. Let's thank the Lord for that. I'm thanking the Lord for that. So let's pray together as we get ready to go into the message today, what God wants for Christmas. Let's pray. Would you pray this prayer? You don't have to say anything out loud, but... Just give God this this thought. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. Just give that prayer to God. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. God, I do pray that you would be glorified. I pray that everyone hearing this message would be edified. I pray that Satan would be horrified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Turning your Bibles to Micah 6, 8, whether it's a gadget or whether you got something else to, to use, we're going to get to Micah 6 and verse 8. That's the verse for all three of our regular Christmas series messages. Uh, we're just focusing our time and attention on what God wants for Christmas. Now, God doesn't want something just for one day a year. He wants it 365 days a year. But I'm using that as a launching pad for us to determine what does God really require of us? What does he want from us? How can we please God. Remember last week, as we we're kind of recapping where we've been, last week we learned that, that there are things that God does not want. He doesn't want superficial stuff. He doesn't want religious activity. He doesn't want your sacrifices, your outward shows, your temporary devotion. Some of these things we do uh, because we're Christians, but it, it, it's not about sacrifice. God says that over and over again. Um, quite often, he'll even say, don't even bring your offerings before the Lord until you make things right with other people. What really speaks to the heart of God is when his people love God and love people. Love God, love people. That's the center of the mark. And so this stuff 
That's not what God wants for Christmas. I hope, I hope you husbands return those vacuum cleaners. Remember I talked about that last week. Hope you got a better plan. I've been talking to Julie all week, trying to narrow down. What is it that she really gets excited about for Christmas? And it's not going to be a vacuum cleaner. I promise. Last week, we learned out of the three things that God says that he requires, it was do justice. We start with doing justice, action. Everybody say action. He didn't say think about justice. He didn't say wish for justice. He said do justice, do justly, do what's right at all times to all people. That's what we're to be doing. And that speaks to who God is. God is a God of justice. And that's important for us as we move forward. I'm going to give a distinction today. There's justice and then there's love. And people struggle with the fact that our God is a God of justice and of love. The New Testament uses the phrase truth and grace. Truth and grace. There's justice, what's right. And then there's love. There's justice, and with God, there's also mercy. This week, we're turning the corner to the second section of love, mercy. Do justice, love, mercy. Let me read Micah 6.8. He has shown you, O man, or, or mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. It's interesting sometimes where messages fall in real life. And this has been an interesting week here in, in uh, our community. Some of you are maybe closely associated with Oxford and Oxford schools. My wife works in the building, and so it's, it's personal to us. Our community has been wanting justice. That's been a big thing. I'm going to speak today about loving mercy. That might not sit well in a week where we've been crying out for justice and justice was handed out. I wanted to start my message today to kind of giving you a balance. I find it really great that God starts what he requires of us by talking about justice first. Do justice. Then he says love mercy. Some Christians might get this wrong and think, well, we just have to give mercy all the time. So when somebody does something horrific or bad, we just got to forgive them and move on. They don't have to pay the penalty, right? Because that would be mercy. I want to say to you, that's not true. Justice first, justice first, and justice is important. It is not just what God wants, it's who he is. He's a just and righteous God. He applies mercy when it's undeserved. He gives mercy to those who don't deserve it. But it's not like sin doesn't get paid for. I want to point that out to you today. Some people might think, well, God's a God of love. So he's not a God of justice. He'll he'll, he'll just forgive everybody. It's no problem. No problem. God forgives everybody. Well, he will forgive those who come to him and repent their sin. But those that do not, they will suffer the consequence. An eternity in hell separated from God. God applies mercy to those who ask him for it. He's a God of love and mercy. And that's what his heart is like. He is a God of justice, but he's a God whose heart is for mercy. 
But I wanted to make sure you understood in our community today as I talk about loving mercy, it doesn't mean that I think that the perpetrator of the crimes on November 30th, two years ago, should just be forgiven and let go. No, he, he needs to pay the price. And our law played out, took two years. The judge weighed the, the evidence, looked at everything, and he declared that there was life without parole. And I think that's just. There are situations where justice is hard. It might be hard for people to fathom a 17-year-old who will spend the rest of his life in prison without any chance of ever being free again. But that's justice. And that's right. I don't want you to get that wrong. I've seen Christians make big mistakes with passages like this and just say, well, we got to forgive, we got to forgive. God forgives, we got to forgive. And so they don't hold people accountable. There's pastors who steal money from the church, run off with a secretary and have sex and do all sorts of things. And the people gather and they're like, well, the Bible says we got to forgive. But God is also a God of justice. Justice must be applied first. God did not just wave his hand about sin and say, ah, forget about it. No, he sent his son who got the verdict. He paid the penalty. Justice was served through sacrifice. Don't don't ever think that God is just a God of love and forgets and forgives everything. No, there was a price for that. Justice was delivered through the death in Jesus Christ. Our God is both a God of truth and grace. It's a wonderful thing. But I want you to know today that our God's heart is love, not judgment. I want to walk you through that a little bit and and pan that out some today. Hard, but important to understand. So I get the job of explaining love, mercy. If you've ever studied this, you're going to find out that there's a Hebrew word here that cannot be interpreted with any one English word. Now, when the people translate scripture, they have to make choices, and I'm not picking on them. I think they made a decent choice. Some of the versions you have in front of you might say something other than uh, mercy. It might say grace. It might say kindness. It might say love. Those are all appropriate, although it's a little hard to read in English if the word is love, love. Right? It's love, 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 mercy. What is this word mercy? And that's what we want to focus in on today so we can get a better understanding of what God wants from us. He wants mercy. This incredible word in Hebrew is hesed. Hesed. Everybody say it with me. Ready? One, two, three. Hesed. It's an incredible word. My best interpretation would be steadfast love. We hear about that a lot throughout scripture, God's steadfast love. Uh, God is love, but it's more than love. Like we define it, it's a different kind of love. It's a steadfast love. Everybody say steadfast love. Steadfast love. That's what this mercy is. So it really could be interpreted love, love. But it's more than just love. It's more than just grace. It's more than just mercy. It's so hard to describe and define. So I've got a bunch of words, right? That's why I get 30 minutes to use all the words to explain one word in Hebrew. Hesed. Love hesed. What is this hesed? It's a completely undeserved kindness and generosity. Think about that for a little bit. Let it sink in. A completely undeserved 
kindness and generosity. It's not just a feeling. It has some implication of an action involved. Love, mercy. Do justice, action. Love, mercy, action. Not just feeling. It intervenes on behalf of loved ones and comes to their rescue. There's something about the word hesed that has action implied, and it implies coming to the rescue. Uh, superhero, right? Something's happening. And then there's loving kindness, tenderness, and consideration towards others. All of these are good words. The authors could have chosen any one of these. Uh, Do justice, love kindness. Do justice, love tenderness. Do justice, rescue your loved ones. It can be any one of these words. And what it really is all about, here's the best way to describe it. It's all of God's positive attributes in one word. In one Hebrew word, hesed, it's all of these things. It's love, mercy, grace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, benevolence, selfless, sacrificial, loyalty, faithfulness. This is hesed. What God is saying is love, What I love. God's love is so encompassing. It's all these attributes. And that's what God is saying. In in Micah, he's saying, do justice and love, love. Love what I am. Love the heart of God. And again, what I would say today is, it's not that God doesn't do justice. He'll always do justice because he's a just God. But his heart is a heart of love. Hesed love. God's positive attributes. So let's walk through. Boy, do I got scripture for you today. You're not going to be able to keep up, so don't get frustrated. On your sheet, you'll see a bunch of references. If you want to try to beat me to one of them, that's fine. If you want to just listen, that's fine. I told them not to put them on the screen today. Sometimes we get lazy and we don't use our Bibles. Sometimes at church, I have to tell our people, I know we got technology. I know we can throw it up there. Let's do Bible drill today, okay? Get your Bibles out or get your technology ready and let's go flying as we read about Hesed. Let's talk first about Hesed in the Old Testament. Exodus 34, 6 through 7. This passage is Moses. Remember Moses? God gave him a big job. (laughs) You know, go lead my people. These million Israelites and you're going to wander through the day. So he's got all sorts of things. Go to Pharaoh. Tell him to let my people go. He's got all these jobs Moses is supposed to do. So quite often Moses wants some reassurance. Like, okay, God, but who am, who am I going to tell them told me to do this? What authority do I have? Explain yourself. Show your. So in this passage, Moses just said, God, I just need to show yourself to me. Tell me who you really are. So I want you to focus in on this. While God is a God of justice, and I'm not downplaying, it's crucial that we understand that sin will get paid for one way or another. You'll either die in your sins and have to pay for it or receive the gift of salvation because Jesus has already paid for it. But justice will be served. But God's heart, who he really is, is a God of love. How do I say that? Because God capitulates for Moses. Okay, Moses, I know I'm asking you to do a lot of hard things. So here's what we're going to do. You're going to stand there. I'm going to pass by and I'm going to tell you who I am. Now, I can't let you see it. You can only look at my back because if you see my face, you're going to just explode or sinner. I don't know what happens. I don't know what happens. But if you see the face of God, whoosh, too much. 
So God says, you stand there. I'll pass by you so you can see the back of me and I'll tell you who I am. Now listen carefully who God says God is. We do a lot of talking for him, talk about him. Let's let God speak for himself. So God, when he wants to reveal who he is, he does not come to Moses and say, I am God, hater of sinners, destroyer of wickedness, sin obliterator. He doesn't go there. What does God want people to know about who he is? Here's what he says. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Isn't that beautiful? Do you want to know who God is? How about we listen to what he says? who he is. Why don't we trust that? When somebody tells you who they are, listen. When God wants to reveal himself, we should pay attention. Right here in Exodus 34, he told Moses, your God, Yahweh, is a hesed God. Hesed. Psalm 100 verse 5, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generation. Everybody say Hesed. You didn't do that very well. Boy, you didn't do, you guys didn't say good morning to Phil this morning. You don't say what I, I mean, come on people, we gotta get better. Everybody say Hesed. Micah seven eighteen. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. That's God's heart. He's got a hesed heart. He delights to show mercy. That's who our God is. And then there's Ruth. The ladies of our church have been blessed to study the book of Ruth. My wife is very particular now that she's learned a lot about Ruth. And so I asked permission. I was like, Julie, okay, instead of me just yapping on about Ruth and Naomi, can I, there's an author who put a paragraph together to kind of intro. So if you've never heard of Ruth and Naomi in the Old Testament, this will be helpful. If you've known this story, this might help put it in context. Let me tell you before I read these verses. The story of Ruth in the Bible is a story of God's kindness displayed in the midst of difficult circumstances. Naomi is blessed with a husband and two sons, but there is a great famine in the land of Israel, so they sojourn into the neighboring land of Moab. But there, Naomi's life begins to unravel. First, her husband dies. Then she sees her sons marry Moabite women, something that was frowned upon but would have given Naomi the opportunity of welcoming grandchildren into her life and so preserving the family line. But 10 years of marriage go by and there are no children. Finally, in the final hammer blow, both of Naomi's sons die. Naomi is now rendered utterly destitute and is left embittered towards the Lord. She instructs her daughter-in-laws to return to their people as she intends to return to Israel. But Ruth, one of her daughter-in-laws, refuses to leave Naomi. There you go. There's an author's version of the book of Ruth. Naomi is in a bad situation. 
in the culture of that day, without a husband, without sons, you are left helpless and hopeless. She's got two daughter-in-laws, and she tells them, leave. You know, I mean, she gets very blunt. She's like, you know, I'm not going to have any more kids. You can't sit around waiting for a new husband to spring up here. You just go and live your life. Your, your husbands are dead. You have no responsibility. Go. Just go away. And the one daughter-in-law leaves. Most of you understand that. If you've had a mother-in-law hang around for a long time, you know, uh, uh, there's mother-in-law rooms now. I mean, there's people, you know, people in houses are building uh, some outdoor shacks for the mother-in-law to get her out of the house. I don't know. But, you know, the old joke is the mother-in-law. I've got a wonderful mother-in-law. I have to say that in case she's watching. Uh, I, I got a great mother-in-law. I love her dearly. But here's a mother-in-law giving you a way out. I mean, she goes to her two daughter-in-laws, get, get while the getting's good. I'm not your problem. And one of them gets. But Ruth says no. And this is, don't, don't miss this. This is written so that we would understand God's Hesed love. Ruth is a, is a real living example of Hesed. Let me read what she says to Naomi in Ruth 1, 16 and 17. This is after Naomi says, leave and Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Hesed. Everybody say hesed. This is a display of God's kind of love. When God says do justice and love mercy, he's talking about his heart. His heart is of love and kindness, steadfast love, one that doesn't quit and turns tail and run, but is committed. This is what hesed is. So when God is telling you love mercy, it's not just love, love. We're talking love the heart of who God is. And then he wants us to play that out. He wants us to be a version of this. That's the Old Testament on Hesed. Now there's New Testament on Hesed too. I'll get there in a second. H.W. Robinson said, Hesed expresses the moral bondage of love. The loving discharge of an admitted obligation. The voluntary acceptance of a responsibility. Hesed is more than just a feeling or an emotion. Hesed is actually living this out. It's I am going to be committed. I'm always amazed when I see couples and one of the partners in this marriage has some long-term medical issue and the other one stays by their side. That is amazing. They made a commitment before the Lord and they're living it out. And that's what Hesed is. I won't leave your side. I am here for you. And that's who our God is. And then we go into the New Testament and there's a lot of verses that describe Jesus, and Jesus is Hesed in flesh. That's who Jesus is. Again, if you want to know who somebody is, listen when they tell you, but then watch. And we have the opportunity then to see God in flesh. So how did Jesus live? He lived Hesed. 
You're going to see it over and over again. John 1, 14, the Bible says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Hesed is who Jesus is. So to put the happy Christmas spin on it, you notice we got the special light on baby Jesus now. Felt bad last week he was in the dark. Now we got a light. God sent his only son to be born as a baby, to live for 33 and a half years, and then to go to the cross perfectly sinless and to die for our sins. Why? Because he is a God full of grace and truth, justice and mercy. God sent his child, his plan to deliver justice and mercy at the same time, to pay for sin through the sacrifice of Jesus. That's who Jesus is, Hesed. The next verse is Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Who is Jesus? He's the, the God, the Son of God, full of grace and truth. Hesed. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 tells us, for by grace you've been saved by faith, through faith. And this is not of yourself, it's a gift from God. God's hesed love shows you this grace, this mercy, this undeserved favor. We don't do anything to get saved on our own. It's by his hesed love. And then John three sixteen, the greatest verse of all time. For God so loved. Pastor Ted, you're going to have to learn that at our church. When we, when we quote John three sixteen, it's not for God so loved the world. It's for God so loved. That little word, S-O, it, it, it has to do something with this Hesed kind of love. It's not just love. For God loved the world. No. For God so loved. What is that so all about? It's about God's Hesed love. His love that is kindness, tenderness, long suffering. Is he a God of justice? Is, is there power in his? Of course there is. Remember, uh, Aslan, the lion, and uh, the, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, and and they're trying to somebody's trying to explain who Aslan was, this great big lion, and the other person said, "Well, is he dangerous?" Yes, but he's good. Not a great understanding of the power of God, but the heart is a heart of love. Isn't that good? Isn't it good to know that our God is a God of justice, but of love? And without that, we're in trouble. Without John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, hesed love, he gave his only son. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing, a beautiful gift. Three quick things and then we're out today. God's hesed love is not about our worthiness. That's one thing you need to understand. God sent his son. We're gonna celebrate that. We're in the middle of Advent season. Hopefully you're reading at home and, and following along. What God gives us, this love, this hope, this peace, this joy. We receive so much, that's why we're focusing on what God wants. Well, what God wants is for his children to display his heart. 
He wants us to display his heart to this world. It's a dark world. And you know what this dark world needs? The light of Hesed love. Different. We're different than the world. It's not about he loves us because we're special. He loves us because we're good enough. It's not about that at all. In Genesis 32.10, this is coming from Jacob the deceiver. Jacob was a, boy, he was a tricky guy. Uh, his whole family is full of tricky guys. He ends up meeting an uncle who's even trickier. And this is what Jacob the deceiver says. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness, Hesed, that you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two camps. Jacob is saying, I am so blessed and I don't deserve it. Right? That's, that's why I love to do that. Every time I go into a store or a coffee shop, they always say, how are you doing today? Better than I deserve. And that's, it's true. It's because of God's hesed love. I'm better than I deserve every day. It's not about our worthiness. Hosea 6, 4. What can I do with you, Ephraim? And what can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like a morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. God is fully aware of our fickleness. God is fully aware of our temporary devotion. And yet he still chooses Hesed love. I mean, here he's like, you guys love me like the dew in the morning. It's here for a little bit and then it dries up. God knows that that's us, but he still chooses to love us. Hosea 2.19, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. Our God is our God, and we are his bride. There's a place in the Old Testament where God even talks about divorcing his bride because his bride is unfaithful. Some people use that and say God divorced you know, his people. No, no, he... He was explaining to them how evil they were acting and how unloving it was, but he stays steadfast. Aren't you glad that God never quits on us? You know, have you ever been heartbroken? Anybody here ever got the heart crushed? Not easy, right? God is a God that loves us and understands that we are not faithful people. We forget him. Oh, and over and over again, scripture teaches us that God won't quit. Psalm 107 verse eight, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Then later in 107, 41 through 43, but he lifted the needy out of their affliction and increased their family like flocks. The upright see and rejoice, but all the wicked shut their mouths. Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. You want to be wise? Sit and comprehend how much God loves you, his hesed kind of love. Never ending, long-suffering, gentle and tender. I was thinking about this last night because you, Bill. I was at a house with Bill and Carla Miller. Pastor Ted and Jen were there, and Julie was with us. We were all having dinner, and and uh, we're sitting talking. I went home afterward, Bill, and I was refreshing my message. I was thinking about it, and you know what I wrote? I wrote underneath the slide. I wrote Bill Miller. <laughs> you you want to know which slide it was? It was the slide that gave us this phrase. 
loving kindness, tenderness, and consideration toward others. If you guys don't know Bill Miller, he's a bear. He's just a big man. Just he's a solid big guy. If you've ever been blessed to shake his hand, you, you might not get it back the way you gave it. It's a, it. He's got a nice big hand and a nice solid grip, right? But boy, is he a gentle giant. How many of you know Bill Miller? Wouldn't you say it's true? Somebody give me an amen. Bill Miller is a gentle giant. And I, I just got kind of thought of it last night. I'm like, yeah, that's, Bill's a big, burly guy. He could probably do damage if he wanted to. But boy, is he kind. He's a sweetheart. Don't, don't tell him he's going to get all offended. But he, he's a sweetheart. I see him being so tender with people. I see him helping, you know, sometimes people that need extra help. Bill Miller's the first one there. But he's helping them, you know, with a walker or with their cane or whatever, whatever it might be. He's helping them, you know, but he's so gentle. That's a beautiful picture. This, this is God. This is God's Hesed kind of love. Yeah, he's a God of mighty power. And that's a good thing to have a God that is unlimited in his power. But oh, it's so nice to know that he's a God of love. Hesed love that won't give up. So it's not about our worthiness. And the second thing is God's Hesed never ends. Lamentations 3. It's in one of these. Lamentations 3.22. Because of the Lord's great love, Hesed love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. Are you thankful that God doesn't quit on you? Are you thankful that when you, you've blown it, he doesn't leave? That's a wonderful thing. That our God is steadfast in his love. Psalm 100 verse 5. The Lord is good, his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Again, be thankful that Don Jackson's not God because I'd have quit. I'd have gotten, eventually I'd have gotten worn out and said that's it. I put up with one generation, two generation, three generation, four, fifth one, y'all done. I'm done with this. I'm tired of it. No, God, through all generations, God stays committed. This covenant love, this covenant devotion, it never ends. And then in Psalm 136, I didn't even have to go there, 26 times as his steadfast love His love endures forever. His love endures forever. 26 times in one psalm, his love endures forever. God's love never ends. Dane Ortland said, the Christian life is the long journey of letting our natural assumption about who God is over many decades fall away, being slowly replaced with God's own insistence on who he is. This is God's love. Hesed love. And that's what he requires of us. That's the last point today. What God expects, he expects hesed love from us. Hosea 6.6, 6, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Again, that's what I've told you. What God doesn't want for Christmas is just uh, more gifts, more stuff. Are you, how many have already done all your shopping? Oh, good. I'm so glad when people... Only a few of you people that are good and faithful and true. The rest of us, we're, we're in trouble. Julie and I got home last night after I was perusing my mind about Bill Miller. I got done with that. Bro crush or bromance. And I, 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 I looked at Julie. I'm like, 
Shouldn't we be ordering stuff if it's going to get here on time? Yeah. So until like 10.30 last night, we're on Amazon ordering stuff, stuff, stuff. Got to get it, got to get it, got to get it. Oh, God doesn't want stuff. He's a God of justice, so we should do what's right. Amen? All the time. It doesn't matter who's in front of us. Remember, because love is not about deserving this kind of reaction. Love is the selfless, willing sacrifice for the good of another person, even when they don't deserve it, not expecting anything in return. That's our definition of love. So that's God, his hesed love. Do justice and love mercy. We could take that two ways. Love that God is a God of hesed love, but also you yourself love giving love. Does that make sense? We ought to be loving what God loves and then doing what would speak to God's heart. His heart is hesed. So what, what does the Bible say about that? Matthew 9, 10 through 13. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Isn't that interesting that Jesus quoted Micah and Hosea? God told us who he is. Don't bring your sacrifices. I want you. I want you to be a person of justice. I want you to be a person that loves love and does love. So that's what... Jesus himself quoted these passages I'm preaching to you. God expects hesed from us. So how can I display God's hesed to others? Let's wrap it up and make it practical. Be merciful and gracious to others. Be merciful and gracious to others. Does that mean if somebody breaks the law that we just say, ah, forget about it? No. I think people ought to be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. There's some things about um, punishment is part of it. But also paying their debt that they owe to society is part of it. But we can also then be merciful and gracious. I want to let you know. Someone might not like this. I believe justice was served on Friday with a a judge making a ruling of life without parole. But God would lovingly save that life. He would do that. I'm not, please don't get angry at me. I have no reason to think that that person would ever come to repentance, but you need to know, this is the kind of hesed love God has. If that person were to come to God and ask forgiveness of sins, he would give it. And you might think, oh no, I don't want that. I don't like that. It's a good thing you're not God then too. I'm thankful that our God can and will forgive anybody of anything. Have you ever looked a murderer in the eyes? In Battle Creek, I had a student that was growing up in my youth ministry that went south. He, he was living with his mom and his sister. His dad was in California. When he through those weird, awkward years of teens, he wanted to go live with his dad so his mom couldn't do anything about it. So he went to California for a while. He came back after a year or two, but he was different. 
we tried to get him in church again, and he just didn't really have any interest. He was messed up with drugs and other things, and uh, police officer and his partner came to his door, his apartment door, and, and basically they were there because uh, there was a car unrelated to anything in the parking lot they had questions about, and they just knocked on the door to ask if they knew anything about this car. But in his drug-induced mentality of paranoia, he saw the cops, he heard the cops knocking, he was high, he was freaking out, he thought they were going to bust him. He opened the door and shot this cop with a shotgun, point blank, and killed him. The night before I was with this officer at a parent-teacher conference, his kids went to school with my kids. I knew Officer Brand. I got a phone call. Officer Brand was just killed. Then I couldn't believe what I heard next. And you know the killer. You know both the officer and the one who pulled the trigger. It was your former student. Immediately I started getting phone calls from this guy's mom saying he, he needs somebody to talk to. He's a mess. He knows what he did, and he's terribly, he's, he's just a teenager, an older teenager at that point, 19 years old, I think. She said, would you go see him? So I've sat a foot away from a murderer and looked him in the eyes. Justice needed to be served there, and he did. He's paying for his crime. He is in jail and he'll be there. But as I looked into those eyes, I realized God loves this man. How could he possibly love someone who does something that wicked? How? But I think that's our problem. Our problem is we like to take sins and we put them in the big ones and the little ones. And we all think we're in the little sin category. Amen. This would say, well, you know, I'm not that bad. You know, as if God would save us and it would be like, yay, I get to save them, you know. Cotton candy and rainbows. And then these evil wrongdoers, that's hard. No. For God to forgive anybody is an act of Hesed love. And so he says to us, be merciful and gracious. Does that mean that people shouldn't be prosecuted? No. I mean, you need to know if something happened in this church that was against the law, we're not going to just hide it and cover it up and pretend it didn't happen because of some weird understanding of love and mercy. No, that needs to go before the authorities and they need to deal with that. Do we then try to apply love and grace? Yes, we can do that. Both of those things need to happen. That's what I'm trying to teach today. Both justice and hesed love need to exist <laughs> And only God does it well. But how can we do it? We, we, we need to be merciful and gracious when we can be. We need to be slow to anger, which I love that word. Has there ever been a better word than long-suffering? You don't have to spend a lot of time explaining that. Long-suffering means long-suffering. <laughs> slow to anger. Keep your word. Fulfill your vows. That's part of Hesed love. That's what God does. He doesn't say he's going to save us and then pull back on that. He's going to come through on that. It's a promise he will fulfill. We need to be people of our word, fulfilling our vows. And we need to be committed to others' goods, 
We, we, we need to make sure that we're focused on what would be good for someone else. That's the definition of love, for the good of another person, even if they don't deserve it. And then take action. This Hesed love, it's not just about feeling, it's about actual action. Well, my prayer today, give me your eyeballs just for a second. My prayer today is that you've experienced God's Hesed love that you've found a time in your life when you've come to him and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sin and come into my life as Savior and Lord. If you've done that, then God's hesed love has infiltrated your life. He has saved you, given you the Holy Spirit, put you in a body of believers. You're part of God's hesed love. If you haven't ever done that, I encourage you to do it today. You can do it right where you're at. You don't, there's no geographic location you've got to get to. You don't have to come here to the front. You can be right where you're at and ask God to forgive you and save you today. Experience his hesed love. But those of us who are his children, what God wants for Christmas, do justice. Love mercy. If there's ever a chance we can display mercy, we need to be able to do that. Let's pray. I'd ask the team to come if they would and close us out. We were playing with some of the songs today and they let me pick the closing song and I picked Living Hope, the one we've sang earlier. Because this is what we're talking about. We don't have hope without Hesed love. So we can display that to others because it's been displayed to us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your hesed love. We thank you that we can see it throughout the Old Testament. We can see it in the New Testament in the life of Jesus. We can see how he treated people with kindness and respect, love, mercy. And yet, God, our our whole community is grieving this week something very difficult when justice is finally served. God, we believe in justice. We think that was right. But we also love mercy. So thank you, God, for taking my verdict of guilty with a life sentence and offering me something I didn't deserve. Your hesed love. I pray we'd live it out each day as best we can with our family, with our friends, with our co-workers, with our neighbors, with people online. Oh, God, I pray you'd help us to do this in Jesus' name. Amen.